But we praise God for the way that He speaks to us through His Word. And the Word of God is, uh, the Bible says, like a seed. And uh, it goes forth into the world and it also brings forth fruit. If you have your Bible this morning, I'm asking you to take and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to continue our study in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7 through verse 19. As we talk about the Word of God and the power of the Word of God in our lives. I hope this morning that you're here, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Of course, our community has been struck with um, a great uh, trauma. And it's only faith in Christ, for me, that sustains us through those difficult times of life. The Bible says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Last week when we talked from the book of Hebrews, uh, the author of Hebrews challenged the church to hold fast, confident to the end. In other words, in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews understands that the Christians have lost sight of who Jesus is. Some think he's an angel and maybe a prophet and maybe a sacrifice for sin. Maybe he's a high priest. But uh, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is greater than the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Joshua. He's greater than the priesthood. He's greater than the tabernacle. He's greater than the temple. He's greater than um, the sacrifices that have been made. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Jesus Christ is the eternal God who became man and lived among men. So chapter 1 verse 1 says, In times past God spoke to us through the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us through His Son. Amen. So the Word of God has been spoken through the Son of God. That's who Jesus Christ is. And the author of Hebrews understands that the church has kind of drifted from the Lord. Because they've lowered their view of Jesus, there's been less devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. The higher your view of who Jesus Christ is, the greater your devotion is to Jesus Christ. So this is what the author of Hebrews says this morning. Beginning in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7, here's what the Word of God says. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear His voice... Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation, and said they will always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, in my anger, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? 
but to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. There might be a little confusing language there, but let's kind of walk through this text this morning. What does the Word of God say in a simple way? Well, I'll tell you the first thing it says is, is listen to God. Listen to God. Twice in this text, he quotes from Psalms 95. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. What is, what is the voice of God? Well, every time the Word of God is read, every time the Word of God is spoken, you hear the voice of God. Verse 7 says, it's the Holy Spirit who speaks through the Word of God, who inspired the Word of God. And this author quotes from Psalms chapter 95. We don't know who wrote Psalms 95. Most people think it was David. But in Psalms 95, David is encouraging the people, let's listen to the Word of God. So every time you read the Bible and you hear the Word of God, you have two options. You can listen and obey, or you can harden your heart and turn away. That's what the Scripture says. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verse 9, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. That's what Jesus said. Seven times in the book of Revelation, it repeats this phrase. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 11, the author of Hebrews says, You have become dull of hearing. He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to church people, Christian people, who through the course of their life have just gotten the hardened heart against God. They don't really read the Word of God. They're not really listening to the Word of God. They're saved. They've been saved. They've been born again. They've been baptized. They're part of the church, but they're not really listening anymore. That's the group to which he speaks. Today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And so the author of Hebrews goes back into the history of Israel, and he uses the children of Israel as an example. And he reminds them when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, and they walked with Moses, and they saw the miracles of the water from the rock, and they saw the, the uh, miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, and they saw the manna from heaven, and then they came to the very border of Canaan, and the Bible says God wanted them to go in and conquer the land. The Bible says the people said, we can't trust God. The people of the land are too big and too powerful. So the Bible says God was angry with his people. They saw the miracles and they got to the point of entering the promised land, but they refused to enter. And so the Bible says God would not let them into his rest. That's what the promised land was. And maybe you remember the old song, O land of rest, for thee I cry. When will the morning come when I shall lay my armor by? and dwell in peace at home. So God says they couldn't enter my rest because they wouldn't trust me. And so it's as if to say that as believers, there's a time in our life when God wants us to trust Him and move deeper in our relationship with Him and experience a really a, a closer fellowship with the Lord. But the Bible says we don't do it. We don't trust God. So He wants us to listen. The Bible says listen to God. Number two in the text, examine your heart. Examine your heart. See, it's very pointed in verse 12. Beware, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief 
in departing from the living God. This is a warning from the author of Hebrews. Let's not be like those people who wouldn't follow God, who wouldn't obey, who wouldn't submit, whose hearts were hard. Now there's two thoughts here of who he's talking to. And let me tell you who, the, who they might be. One, he might be talking to people who are part of the church, but who've never really been saved. That always makes me uncomfortable when I talk like that. That it's possible to be connected to the church, but never have really been saved. In other words, it's just a tradition. It's just a habit. I asked a woman one time, are you a Christian? And this was her answer. Well, I guess so. See, if your answer is, I guess so, my answer to that would be, I guess not. If there's not a real passion, if there's not been a point of surrender, if you never remember being born again, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and church is just part of the routine of your life, one more social event to be a part of, your name's on a roll, but the Spirit of God is not in your heart, it's possible to profess a faith that you do not possess. And that's dangerous. Well, is that scriptural? Well, Jesus told the story in Matthew chapter 13 of the tares and the wheat. Tares are weeds. And in chapter 13, it says a farmer planted a field. And he said the field is like the kingdom of God. And the farmer planted wheat in his field. And at nighttime, the enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat. And the servant could tell that not everything in the field was wheat. And he came to the farmer and he said, you've got weeds growing with your wheat. What should we do? The servant said, should I go and try to pull up the weeds? And the farmer said, no, no, let them both grow together. And then at harvest time, we'll gather the wheat, put it in the barn, and we'll gather the weeds and put them in a fire. This is the parable, and it's a very unsettling parable. Because it indicates there could be people connected to the church who've really never experienced salvation. It's just part of the routine of their life. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves, surely, to know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. There needs to be that time when we can look at our life and say, Lord, is this me? Have I just been playing a game or is this real? See, this is what I think. I think if we understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that, that the eternal Son of God took on the likeness of human flesh, that He died on the cross for my sins, that He was buried, that He rose again, that He ascended to heaven, that He's coming again, that one day I'll stand before Him as King of kings and Lord of lords, and my faith in Him determines my eternity, friend. That's, there's reason to be passionate about your faith. And the more you believe, the greater your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're like, well, it may be true, maybe not true. Church is a good thing. I have some fun. It's a social event. Then you've got to look at your heart and say, have I really ever been born again? I have this conviction. If the God who made you comes to live inside of you, he's going to change you. 
So it could be he's talking to, to people connected to the church who've never really been saved. And maybe he's talking to Christians. I think probably more likely. They're genuinely saved, but they've just drifted from God. Verse 12 says, see to it, brothers and sisters. He mentions brothers and sisters. Chapter 3, verse 1, he calls them holy brethren. Chapter 3, verse 14, he includes himself for we. I think probably he's talking to people who are saved, but they've just gotten out of fellowship with God. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, they were devoted followers of Christ. They were baptized. They were part of the church, but they lied to the Holy Spirit. Do I think they were saved? Yes. Were they walking with God? No. It's possible to be saved and not in fellowship with God. You can lose your fellowship and not lose your relationship. Kind of like the prodigal son. He was always a son. He just wandered into a far country and he slept with the pigs and he ate the food the pigs ate. And finally he woke up and he said, man alive, what am I doing with my life? Always a son. Finally came home. He's probably speaking to people who are Christians who just have got entangled in the world. Which is why in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. It's, it's possible as Christians to get tangled up in sin. Can I have a volunteer, I mean, not a volunteer, but someone that testifies to that? Uh, I don't see one hand in the place. Uh, I know that in our flesh as believers, we are prone to drift from God. People don't naturally drift to God. They drift away from God. And you get tangled up in the things of this world. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, Paul tells the church, stop being drunk with wine and be filled with the Spirit. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to saved people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, stop corrupting your lives with sexual sins. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to saved people. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Put away filthy language and lying and anger and gossip. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to saved people, which tells me it's possible to be a follower of Christ and simply tangled up in the sin of this world. The word apostasy can mean fall away. It can also mean to desert or to stand off or to step away. I don't think that we're losing salvation. I don't think that. I think we've got believers who are followers of Christ who once in their life followed Christ much more closely than they are now. He says because you could get hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He mentions that. Sin is deceitful. Sin promises what it cannot deliver. The sin of sexual adultery, 
for um, extramarital affair, premarital sex, pornography. It promises what it cannot deliver. Alcohol promises what it cannot deliver. We just heard a testimony of a man who used drugs because sin promises what it cannot deliver. Sin always promises more than it can give, always takes you further than you want to go, and always keeps you longer than you want to stay. And some of you, some of us, could say, that's me. There's some sin in my life that's become a habit that has grieved the Spirit of God in my life and has broken my fellowship with Jesus Christ. I think that's who he's talking to. Christians who are no longer walking close to the Lord. I had an Aunt Hazel. She's passed away now. She's my mother's oldest sister. She never married, but she traveled as a single woman in an RV. She traveled all across the United States, and every couple, every year, she would come to our home in Texas and stay two weeks in her RV. She had nine Chihuahua, Chihuahua dogs in her RV. Someone told her that Chihuahua dogs were good for asthma. She had asthma, so she had nine Chihuahua dogs. She treated them like her children. She would buy Kentucky Fried Chicken, and she'd give this whole bucket of chicken to those dogs, you know. And I was a kid at the time. We were growing up with seven or eight kids in the family, and I was thinking, man, do I want to get in that RV and get some of that chicken. She died of a disease called scleroderma. Sclera meaning hardening. Derma meaning skin, the hardening of the skin. She would have places on her arms that were just hard and hard, and they said that her organs were affected by this disease. So in this text, the Greek is not scleroderma, the Greek is sclera cardia, from the word cardiology, meaning heart. The heart can become hard against God. See, it never happens immediately, just like a, a leg doesn't freeze overnight. It kind of gets a little gloss because it gets below uh, freezing, and then a day or two, if it stays below freezing, you get a little inch or two. Finally, it gets hard, and you can drive a truck upon it. It doesn't happen overnight, and the hardening of the heart doesn't happen overnight. It happens over the course of time when a person's, person's journey is more in the world than it is in the Word, and you're no longer sensitive to the voice voice of God. God speaks, but you're not hearing it. That, that's sclera cardia, the hardening of the heart. And it happens through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin hardens the heart. And so God is speaking. The Bible says twice in this text, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the day of the rebellion. Listen to God. Repent of your sins. Show remorse. Show some sense of repentance and turn back to God. I'll tell you what I think. There are occasions in a Christian's life God whispers. And there are other occasions in a Christian's life when God shouts. You know what I think? I don't care what you think. Well, 
I think God is shouting at San Saba this week. C.S. Lewis wrote the book, The Problem of Pain. He had an interesting perspective because of his life. He lost his mother in early age. He saw his dad emotionally abandon him. He suffered from a respiratory illness as a teenager. He fought and was wounded in World War I, and then he had to bury his beloved wife. He records his heartache in his book, The Problem of Pain, and he pens his most famous words. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. God speaks to us in our conscience. But God shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Sometimes when a heart is hard, God speaks louder and it's not comfortable. So what do we do? Well, to listen to God and then examine your heart. Where do I stand in my relationship with God? Am I closer now than I've ever been? Or I've been deceived by sin and has my heart become hard? And then what do we do? Well, verse 14, we affirm our position. I like verse 14. Of all the verses in this text, I like verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. We're partners with Christ. We share in Christ. We are connected with Christ. Our identity is in Christ. He's writing this to Jewish people. And he says, your identity is not in Moses and not in Judaism and not in the law and not in the temple. No, no. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And Christ is your life. He is challenging the early church to come back to their love passionate love for Jesus Christ. And I think it's possible again for Christians to be saved but just missing out on God's best. What do we do? Well, I think number one, we come to ourselves. Look at verse 15. Again, he quotes this text. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart today. Well, what is today? Every time the word of God is spoken, that's today. Sometimes he speaks through music. Sometimes he speaks through creation. Sometimes he speaks through other people. But he always speaks through his word. And I'll tell you something else. Your relationship with Jesus Christ needs to be, listen, present tense today see so often I'll say so what about your relationship with Christ and this is what they'll say when I was 11 years old I was saved and baptized and that's their testimony something that happened 25 years ago see in Hebrew says what about today 
Where's your walk with God today? What are you doing with sin today? Where's your prayer life today? Where's your Bible study habits today? Where's your worship today? See, your relationship with the Lord needs to be present tense. It's time to wake. Romans 13 verse 11 says, This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I use the phrase, come to yourself, because that's the phrase the prodigal son used. In Luke chapter 15, verse 17. He went away from his father's house. He lived in sin. And one day he woke up in the pig pen, and this is what it says. But when he came to himself. God, what have I done? How many years have I wasted? How much grief have I brought my father? Look at the condition of my life. Hey, I don't think the prodigal son is a story about somebody getting saved. I think it's about a lost son who's coming home. And it all started when he, he came to himself. God shouts when we come to ourselves. What, what am I doing? Then he came home. And I love the idea that the only time in the Bible when God is in a hurry is when he runs to meet the prodigal son who's coming home. You won't find God anywhere in the Bible in a hurry. Till he runs to meet the prodigal son who's coming home. We want to come to ourselves, and secondly, we want to humble ourselves. Verse 16 says, For who having heard rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? I wrestled with this. Why does he say that? Who disobeyed? And he says, All of them. Uh, everybody who came out of Egypt, they watched the parting of the Red Sea. They saw all these great miracles in Egypt. They ate the bread that came down from heaven. They drank the water from the rock. They were witnesses to all the miracles. And every one of them disobeyed God. This is the point of it. Who needs spiritual help? I'll tell you, all of us. All of us. Oh, Brother Sam, it's not me. Yes, it's you and it's me. Everybody struggles with sin. See, and I think sometimes we have an altar call. And somebody says, well, if I go forward, somebody might see me and think I've got a struggle. I've got a secret for you. We all know you struggle. Because we all struggle. So who, leaving Egypt, disobeyed? He says in verse 16, everybody. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, You think you are standing firm, but be careful that you don't fall. Robert Robinson, who wrote the song, Comes Out Found of Every Blessing, says, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. He wrote the song, this song, because he himself felt that urge to move away from God. 
Come to yourself, humble yourself, and thirdly, bless yourself. Now, how can we bless ourselves? Well, verse 19 says, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now again, they're not lost. I don't think he's talking about lost people. I think he's about people who are God's people who just won't obey who've got entangled with the world and entangled with sin. And listen, they never experienced the wonder of the promised land because they wouldn't follow God. So it's possible to be saved, to be born again, and never experience everything God intends for you to experience. Because you live entangled in the world. You never experience the abundant life, the joy. Oh, you're saved. But you never experience everything God has for you. Because you're entangled in the world. God keeps calling, calling, speaking, sometimes shouting. Come here, come to me. It's very interesting, and in, in my effort to preach this morning, I listened to several sermons on this text. This is a hard text. What do you do with it? Here's what one preacher said. Christians can either live in Hebrews chapter 3 or Hebrews chapter 4. <laughs> That was W.A. Criswell. Hebrews chapter 3, you're living in the wilderness, stumbling over graves. You're the people of God, but you're not experiencing the promised land. Or you can live in Hebrews chapter 4, the land of rest and peace and joy and abundant life. Man, you can either survive in the wilderness or you can thrive in the land of promise. So all of us as Christians, we're either living in Hebrews 3 or Hebrews 4. And then you hear the voice of God. In the day he speaks, do not harden your heart. Listen and respond. That silly thing. Let's pray together. Oh, Father. Lord, I don't, I just, I, I want to live close to you, Lord. I don't want there to be anything in my heart. I don't want there to be anything in my mind. I don't want there to be any sin that takes root in any part of me, Father, that quenches your spirit, that breaks the fellowship. Lord, I want to live in chapter 4. I want to live in chapter 3. I want to experience the abundant life. Lord, I want to know what it means to walk up, wake up in the morning and know that I'm walking with you and I'm experiencing your love and I'm filled with your Holy Spirit and I'm producing the fruit of the Spirit and I, I've been born again and living that born again life. I don't want to live, Lord, in the wilderness. 
God, I know that we're all prone to wonder, everybody in this place. We all have sin with which we struggle. And many of us, God, have just got entangled in the world and our hearts have become hard and we're no longer listening to you. But in your great mercy, because of your great love, you keep calling us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You keep pursuing us. And Lord, I just believe this morning in this place that you're calling to people. Lord, maybe there's some here that are connected to the church, never been saved. They've just been playing a game. And this morning, your Holy Spirit is stirring their heart to deep conviction of their need to be born again. Lord, I believe the vast numbers here this morning are people who are saved, but Father, we've just, we're just sluggish in our faith and our ears have become dull of hearing. And Lord, you're calling us. You're quickening our spirit. And I just pray when we hear your voice this morning, this morning, right now, that we will not harden our heart. But we'll listen and we'll respond. So, Lord, now in this time of invitation, I just give this to you. Lord, that you would have freedom to work in our lives to do whatever you want to do in us this morning. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.